What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. This spot offers free live music every Thursday night throughout the summer from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday brunch tunes from noon to 2 p.m. with DJs spinning vinyl. Lots of dance parties both day and night are on the summer calendar as well, featuring events from Global Based and other promoters. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and aside from offering free music every week on their patio, they've got a killer brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays. The Migas and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and the lunch and dinner menu doesn't slack either. Come through and check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe, as well as their new summer seasonal cocktail menu. This is a great spot to grab some food and some drinks and enjoy some tunes with friends or family. Appreciate Produce Row being a supporter of the podcast and the local Portland music community. Now let's start the show. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of the iTunes charts. It does the thing. More people see it. It's great for the visibility and the growth of the show. And I appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. Can't stress the importance of those iTunes reviews enough. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe. Wherever you are listening from, check out the monthly playlists that I've been dropping on Apple and Spotify. Those links will be in the episode notes. You can find those every first of the month. Just a snapshot of uh, things I'm listening to throughout the month mostly new stuff some old stuff peppered in there too some things that i've missed along the way and uh, a lot of the stuff that i've been spinning in my dj sets speaking of dj sets thanks to north 45 for having me last sunday super fun the patio was packed out before the portland timbers game always fun to uh to DJ over there, especially when that that patio is full, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was cool. It was, I think, uh, hopefully, I'm getting better, and just kind of, uh, I still feel pretty new because I I started DJing right before the pandemic started and didn't do a whole lot 
amidst that except at, at home every uh every so often but i have been doing uh quite a few dates since things have opened up and um i'm loving it it's great and i think this past sunday was definitely maybe one of my my best sets it was kind of one of those uh situations where i i was not filled with any regret of decisions i made while selecting music there was no moments where i was uh kind of disappointed in myself and like yeah you didn't uh you didn't carry the vibe through here so that was super fun uh, I've got some more summer dates coming up, including this Friday. I will be over at the the Satellite Tavern. It's in North Portland on Interstate. New-ish bar there, I think. Maybe, uh, you know, like new ownership in the last year. And I cruised by there last week and checked out the space. It's very cool. And we're going to, there's going to be DJs over there every Friday throughout the rest of summer, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. So, Swing through, check that out, come through, see me, July 21st, they've got a a rad patio, so uh, that's what's going on there. I've been going out and seeing a lot of live music around town, I was at Mississippi Studios two of the last three nights to see some killer local shows over there, just trying to, you know, get acquainted again with uh, the bands that exist and the artists that exist now post-pandemic and uh, see who's still doing the thing and trying to see as many bands that I've never seen before uh, play live, which last night was a great night over at Mississippi Studios for. They had the Willamette Week Best Bands of the Year Showcase. And gotta say, I saw the Max for the first time and I had heard their record and enjoyed some tunes off of that, but there is, uh, I don't know, you really got to see that live performance, I think, to be able to get the full scope of what's happening there. It was uh, amazing, just an incredible set front to back. Those guys just go in. It was heavy. It was engaging. It was, yeah, it was so rad, so rad. So uh can't say enough uh good things about the max after seeing their set and would encourage you to uh to go check them out and uh, a couple nights ago i got to see my friends in camp crush their album release at mississippi studios which is very special i've been uh hanging out with jen and chris since i started playing music in portland at some open mics and that was you know eight nine years ago now and i've just become good friends with them over the years and i've seen their their project evolved from what it was at that open mic to what they are doing now in Camp Crush. And it's just so rad to see them headlining one of the best venues in this city. And they just put on such a great show. You can just always tell the amount of time that they have put into rehearsals. They are just always so locked in. Jen does not miss with the vocal pitch. She's just fucking in it the whole time and Chris just going off on the drums so new camp crush EP is available check that out they are a great band and even better people I'm gonna have to have them on here to to catch up it's been it's been many years I feel like since they uh they came on the cast so we're gonna have to uh do that and talk about the new record and what not hope everybody is doing well we got French cassettes on the cast from the Bay Area of Northern California this week for episode 317. This was a super fun hang with these dudes, and you'll hear in the episode that I often found myself laughing during this conversation uh, quite a bit, and uh, just a really low-key good time, some very funny dudes, and it's always an added bonus when I get to talk with an artist or a band that I dig their music quite a bit, and then when we're hanging out, I feel like I want to spend more time with them outside of the interview or would want to be friends with them, so I just super appreciated this hang and uh, the set I got to see them play at the Olympic during the Tree Fort Fest in Boise was so killing. Their Rolodex record has been heavy in my rotation. Love that record front to back and very disappointed that I did not get a vinyl copy before they were sold out. Tender Loving Empire, a local Portland record label, put that album out as well as their uh, their most recent singles, which will uh, will feature 
in this episode. And uh, so Tender Loving Empire, I'm really pushing for a repress of this record, which I know is a big request in the the current era of pressing vinyl and the delays that have ensued since the pandemic. But I'm hoping to get one. So if any of you, uh, you French cassettes folks or tender loving empire peeps are listening and you you got a copy lying around i'll take a damaged one i don't really care i would just love to uh add this record to my collection that i enjoy so much and uh yeah this is the last episode of the the tree fort series of interviews that i did out there at tree fort 10 back in march so i think there ended up being like eight podcasts that i got from there and this is the last one that I'm putting out, so this will wrap up the the Tree Fort 2022, Tree Fort 10 coverage of the fest and all the artists that I got to, to talk to out there. Such an amazing music festival out there in Boise. If you're not aware of it, I'd highly encourage you to, uh, to go check it out if you live in any general vicinity to Boise. You know, whether you're playing music out there going out there for that or if you just want a rad music festival to attend i uh yeah i i highly recommend this one 10 out of 10 the way uh this thing is set up and i've just had so much fun out there the past couple times so grateful to uh have had that experience uh gotta give a shout out to rob the drummer of french cassettes this dude uh really fucked up his finger recently doing some carpentry so wishing him a speedy recovery looks like uh, from what I've seen on the old social medias, it's not uh, anything that's going to prevent him from uh, being able to play drums, hopefully, in the in the future. But uh, yeah, saw that looked really brutal. And uh, thinking of that dude. Also, Andrew St. James played bass for this run of Tree Fort shows for French Cassettes. He is... Uh, not usually playing with those dudes and uh he's got this really great project under his name andrew st james some great tunes i was listening to his light after darkness record yesterday recommend giving that a listen great jams on there so uh check that out and uh what else there's free music going on if you're a portland local over at produce row cafe every thursday night from 7 p.m to 9 p.m. and DJs spinning vinyl over there every Sunday noon to 2 and uh, I think that's all the things I think that is all the ramblings all of the links will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with French cassettes and all of the sponsors for the show the playlists that are dropping every first of the month and myself so you can find out when I'm doing these DJ sets like this coming Friday july 21st at satellite tavern and whatnot so that is that we are going to kick off episode 317 with the most recent single from french cassettes it's called on off if you dig what you hear please give these guys a follow let's do the damn thing i'd say at the time you were my best friend other close in each other's beds blame it on the lack of good magazines if only our folks knew all the shit we'd seen
Yes. You need a minute to get the story. You're fine. We're no rush. We're no rush. Sorry about that. Yeah. I don't know. The reason why Mac <laughs> stories is because uh, he's really good at them, and he puts a lot of effort into each one, even though it only lives for 24 Dude, hours. Dude, I waste way too much fucking time like trying to craft a story post or some oh, bullshit. Dude. It's like, how did I lose you gotta, power doing this? Let's cut at 15 early. You can talk with Mac and he'll teach you everything. <laughs> uh, yeah. He knows he knows where those stickers are that you've always been looking uh, for. Oh, yeah, see. Yeah. <laughs> Any sticker you're looking for. He's yeah. the first to use them. He knows, he knows where it's at. Mm-hmm. He also knows I suck at it, so he just doesn't want to let it fall on my shoulders. I, can't, I, can't, I just can't let the band down, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and hold, upholding integrity of our social media. That's right. Yeah. All right, I'm going to do this one more time before we start. We got Rob, Andrew, Mackenzie, yeah. Scott. You got it. Yes. Nice. Dan. This is Dan. a good start. I'm Dan. Dan and <laughs> our buddy yeah. Bert over there. We got Bert. Bert over here. What's up, Bert? <laughs> Say hi to Bert. <laughs> uh, stoked to talk with you guys. I've uh, been geeking out on the Rolodex record quite a bit since I knew that I was going to have the opportunity to chat with y'all here. And I got to see the live show over at the Olympic the other night. So that was like really cool to get a sense of... Uh, what that is like and i found it to be very engaging on the the level of just that there's four mics on the stage and just kind of feels like there's something communal i guess like as an audience member watching that feels like it's more engaging you know just watching everybody participate in the harmonies and whatnot is that does that ring true for you guys as well as as players during a performance does it does it feel tighter when since y'all are locked in with those harmonies and everybody's kind of participating in the singing i think so for sure that's also my favorite thing to practice which i kind of wish we did more but we just have all the harmonies memorized now so it's not <laughs> really but that is just the funnest thing harmonizing with the whole band that was kind of like a, a goal of ours since we started we kind of as many people if they didn't want to sing that's okay and it, it yeah. wasn't like you're gonna sing you're gonna like it <laughs> But if but like the more the merrier always yeah yeah it helps if if everybody's willing to to get down on the vocals yeah for sure and was it uh, did it come pretty naturally for everybody to to lock into that as far as harmonies and and voices working together did everybody have like a lot of previous experience doing singing together or in different projects yeah I mean Mackenzie and I have been playing together for since we were like teenagers. And I guess you didn't you, you didn't do too much singing, but now it's almost like a, a guarantee that every single song you're probably gonna sing on. Yeah, but we were in choir together, and <laughs> I was true. definitely holding down the bass. That, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So I should have seen it coming. Yeah. <laughs> Take me back to how this uh, this band formed, because I know that there's been music put out for you know 10 plus years now there's stuff that's out and about from like 2011 that first ep and yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i was uh playing music with my brother and and then uh, in high school i was like oh shoot like maybe there'll be someone who wants to make it like an actual band because we were just doing white stripe stuff basically and so he was drumming and i was playing guitar and we weren't really like gigging or anything but we wanted a band so we could gig and so i was like man i'll find someone and it was pretty difficult because like not a lot of people were were guitar players or just didn't wanted to be in a band or they already had their band or whatever and then i found out uh, this guy was like man uh it's like come over to my house let's jam and i was like okay and so I went to his house and I walked in and I'd seen Mackenzie at school walking around beforehand, but I, we'd never really hung out or talked too much. And I didn't know that he played guitar, but I walked into this dude's house and Mackenzie was there and they were jamming. And I was like, oh shoot. And I was like, I didn't know he played guitar. And then he started playing this, like, just like a strokes song. 
And I was like, all right, well, that's it. It's done. It's <laughs> over. It's, yeah. And so I was like, you got to play with me, please. And then so we started playing together that and then uh, eventually moved to San Francisco. Band moved over here. And that's where we met Rob because we played a show with his band at the time. And then that's how, yeah, that's how we are. But you've been uh, writing tunes for a long time before even starting the band. Is that always uh, kind of your lane of things? Yeah, maybe you've heard of uh, my when I when I was eleven years old, my uh, smash hit "Down the Drain." Have you heard that? <laughs> I haven't. Oh, dang it! I don't know anything about "Down the Drain." <laughs> I'll sing it for you later. <laughs> it's part of the encore. <laughs> yeah, super. Yeah. yeah, you know how troubling being eleven years old is, and so. Super dark side. Yeah. Great jingle for a plumbing company, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's your new project is writing jingles for plumbing companies and various services. I know they probably wouldn't get it. <laughs> it was really just about your life at the time. <laughs> eleven years old. I know eleven. Gone. Just getting a bath. Yeah. You were getting a bath at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's why my life's down the drain. Yeah, bro. it's down the drain. <laughs> my mom still washes me. <laughs> Everything feels pretty heavy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Did you always feel pretty comfortable though, Scott? Like as the front person for a band, or you know, getting up and kind of revealing yourself some way as you know, singing tunes and writing lyrics. I did. Yeah, I did because I thought I had to in order to accomplish what I like the part of songwriting that i wanted to do or what i wanted to contribute so i thought i had to because like that's just what i saw i just like a lot of like i grew up on a lot of doo-wop cassettes that my grandma had okay and so it was always just the face of the person or it was the name of the person and then they're just like the thing you can hear you can just hear them loud and clear and of course there's great harmonies and stuff which is where that comes from but uh yeah so i was like oh so if you want to write music you got to be that dude and so it's not that I always insisted on being the front man, but I just, that's how I started was just like, Oh, I'll just be the dude who sings and plays and writes and whatever. Sure. And then obviously I want to do that with people who also sing and play and write and stuff. Yeah. And for the, the rest of you with this current lineup of the band, is everybody playing like their first instrument or the instrument they feel like they are most comfortable with? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> Bass is not your uh, no, no. Your I, uh, yeah, no. I'm a. I'm just a friend of the band. Really, I'm sitting in for these shows. But um, yeah, I don't play bass really. But uh, now I do. And oh man, shoot! <laughs> I should have said now. that. Yeah, they're not going to come to our sorry, next set. It looked like you knew what you were doing up there. Yeah, I don't give myself enough credit. But I, uh, it's definitely certainly not my not my primary primary instrument. But uh, yeah, Scott's uh, Scott writes great songs. Makes it easy. Yeah. So is it kind of exciting for you to have the opportunity to play like a different instrument and see where you can kind of fit in with things? Absolutely. Yeah. It's been it's been great. Andrew's been killing it on the bass. He just stepped in like absolutely last minute, and uh, and but his main band is also a really good band, Andrew St. James, which is hails from San Francisco, and okay, they rock all the time. So that's how we know him and why we brought him on. And what but about I, you, Rob? Well, I'm playing my main instrument. Yeah, always, I'm, always I'm, on the the I'm drum a, kit. I'm a drummer. First baby. instrument. That's right. Yeah, I try to dabble in other stuff, but I just suck. So I'm sticking with the drums. Was this the uh, the first project that you were involved with where you were also doing some singing? Um, no, I've been in I've been in bands that just call for backups. You know, I don't know for a long time. Yeah, and so I've done it before, so it's no big deal come pretty naturally yeah. for you to like learn how to keep the rhythm locked in and and be able to to sing yeah i i don't know i guess it's it's hard but uh but then you practice it and then you can do it that's it yeah that's what i found does it feel like it keeps the the show more engaging for you as a as a player that you have not just the responsibilities of playing drums but you are participating in the harmonies as well yeah i definitely can't like check out like you might be able to do in some other bands but also the real mental engagement for me is because i i play i we now have like an spd pad that i play with for samples and stuff and uh and just hooking that whole thing up has really been a challenge for me 
pretty, pretty much most shows I'm, I'm struggling <laughs> plugging all the stuff into the right plugs <laughs> so I, know, I have it? to be really even, engaged even just last night we were like they're like you're five minutes behind and then I just turn around and I see Mac Mackenzie and Rob and I just hear is like all the house music and I just hear yeah I already tried that <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is bad news. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, what if we drove all the way to Boise to already tried that? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, that was cracking. But we got they got it. I mean, we, yeah, in their defense, I have it. no idea. I yeah. know. So. <laughs> it was okay. I did have a thing plugged into the wrong thing. <laughs> and you were like, I don't know. It's the sound engineer. It's it worked a, before. It's, yeah. it's their fault. But, you, but, yeah. but why did you keep telling the sound guy you wanted more? Like, wow, you were just still fidgeting with it. <laughs> yeah. and you're, and you're just like, more, you idiot. Yeah, more. Dude, just more. I hear nothing. Do you hear it? <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, I want more. Yeah. As you can yeah. imagine. And yeah. can you send someone to help me? <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> They're the asshole. Yeah. It's like I'm never drowning this, out here. Never playing this venue again. Yeah. I feel like that shit happens like all the time. Like I've done so many of these podcasts like via Zoom, especially during the pandemic, where it's just like they have all their gear set up correctly and for some reason like one of these knobs got moved and I'm just like, I don't know, I can't hear you. I can't hear anything. It must be you. And then I just like do a little fidgeting. Oh no! It seems like you got it. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you move something? Yeah. Did you move something over there? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It, it worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so I next time you do a podcast, <laughs> you'll know. You'll yeah. know. You'll be prepared because yeah. it's obviously not me. Yeah. I've done this before. <laughs> Keep. Don't hold the mic just like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mac, were you uh, pretty drawn into Scott's songwriting right away when you guys met? One hundred percent right away. Well, he was in. He had a really cool band called the Light Brights, and I thought they were like the coolest. I was like, I want to be in a band, dude. What's going on? They were playing like the the big uh, the grass field at the high school at, during lunchtime. Mm. That's and when you know you made it at that age. I one hundred percent playing. Yeah, like Weezer songs. I think it was at El Scorcho, and yeah. you're like, I gotta. I was like, I gotta get in there. Gotta get in on that. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long was it before you guys kind of started writing tunes together where you weren't focusing so much on maybe playing covers and really kind of diving into arranging tunes? I was so excited to have a writing partner that I immediately wanted to like no more covers just to, and we would still like play for fun, but definitely the majority of our time I was like, okay, I need to uh, take advantage of of having someone who's super talented to write with and i was like well, i don't want to play covers yeah. and so we just started writing songs immediately are you both like bringing riffs to each other or ideas for them like initial ideas for the music or is that always you scott no it, we both do that yeah i just, i kind of hole up in my room a lot so just by default i just like have a bunch of demos yeah but Mac writes a bunch of great stuff that he'll he'll bring too, and and we'll, yeah, it's it's both ways. Do you feel like your uh, your vocal approach is maybe any different when uh, when you're going at like maybe his initial ideas opposed to My your vocal own approach? Yeah, like do you think it like brings something different out of it if if Mac is maybe bringing that initial idea and how you attack the vocal or it's more fun to me to try and write. I don't know if sometimes you intentionally, I think, yeah, I feel like you do like intentionally like take out some vocal ideas that you maybe were messing with just to see what I do. Uh, but it is fun because then it's just like, it's an actual fresh take on a song and no one has touched it vocally yet. I mean, there's no evidence of someone touching it vocally yet. And so that's just like the most fun for me. So I do feel like I sing differently on his songs a little bit. What's like the uh, like as far as the the older jams that exist? Do any of those ever make it into the the set list, or is it mostly just like focusing on the like the Rolodex stuff and whatever new music is? That's been usually it. We're slowly, yeah. We have we have this uh, EP, Summer Darling EP, and I still love all those songs, but it is getting to the point where. Uh, <laughs> You know, we just ran out of space to play those. Yeah. So yeah, we we kind of just have stopped. And 
I still love playing them. And if everyone in the band knows it and someone requests it, you know, once in a blue moon, it's like, hey, play that old songs. And I'm always happy to play those, yeah. For sure. Is there like a lot of focus on like leaving the moments for the harmonies, like these big open spaces? For like some of the repetitive nature, like thinking about Dixie Lane, like I love that that cemetery cemetery part. Thank you. And is there a lot of focus on leaving space for those types of things, or does it just kind of happen naturally? Do you think in the, the songwriting? Um, well, that one in particular, I was like, oh, I want to leave this space because that was literally supposed to be a space between songs, and I sent it to Mackenzie. And I was like, oh, check it out. And then it kind of fades. And then there's, uh, so it was supposed to be empty because then it was going to cut to the next track and it was going to, the cemeteries were going to start the next track, which is the outro of the song. And then Mackenzie was like, no, that's just like one cool song. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I already wrote that space. So we're just keeping it. been like really good about being able to uh maybe show each other the ideas within songs that you kind of can't see for yourselves like like you're saying with that that particular song where you just like thought it was this piece but then Mackenzie's able to kind of be like no this is a full thing yeah Mackenzie grounds me often for those kinds of things and um calls me crazy on occasion <laughs> <laughs> and it always ends up being i think a lot better because <laughs> i would yeah a lot of I, I have a lot of unraveled ideas and he's a bit more a bit smarter about structuring it and and such yeah and is one of you uh just like uh, also very capable of recording and, and diving into the technical and engineering side of things as well so yeah big both of us are yeah for sure. Did yeah. you both like pick up those chops pretty early on or just kind of like very interested in that stuff of being able to figure out how to kind of not have to wait for somebody to record your ideas or. Oh my God. Get... I, I was so excited when, uh, cause I mean I had garage band, but I was just using like the laptop mic, but I was so excited when Mackenzie started getting into, to actual recording. And so he was getting like an interface and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and it was so exciting. Cause then he was had, he was actually miking the drums right and he was actually miking the amps and every time i felt like every time he was it was cool to be a band while he you were learning how to do that because then one week i'd come and it'd be one thing and then next week i'd come and it'd be like an upgrade and then upgrade as far as like technique or equipment and stuff like that and so and now he's just like i mean that's what you do so you, you, he has a studio and and is an engineer and so that's it is. It's awesome to have to have that. Did that stuff make sense to you pretty early on when you started diving into it? Yeah, definitely. I was well. Scott started before me. Scott like records some super cool early French cassette songs in his like bathroom, and they sound amazing. Still, I think. So I was just kind of like, I was like, damn, I want to do that too. That sounds great. Yeah. So is like Rolodex was that self-recorded then? Yeah between scott's like recording for hours and hours in his uh in his room various like rooms in san francisco and then like heading into the studio and doing some stuff yeah is that uh does that feel like it leaves you a lot more space to kind of like explore your ideas too when you're kind of like not on someone else's studio time necessarily and you can kind of try all of the things that you want to try yes and i think anyone who says yes to that will also tell you that it's in insane. Like it's dangerous. It's just way too much freedom. And yeah, it's you have too much time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I'll show up and Mac is like, why are there 250 tracks on this? And I was like, <laughs> okay. Well, 
<laughs> and so I was like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Is there like, is there situations where you try to set like some creative parameters for yourself in some cases then so that you can keep it like a little more focused so you don't end up with 250 tracks? I'm, on something? It took a good way, question. It took me <laughs> way too long to finally start being like, okay, five takes or 10 takes or what, and then that's it. So you can't go, I can't do more than that. It just, but it, yeah, it was just like I was having success on like, <laughs> on like the ninety eighth take, <laughs> and so I was like, oh, that's what I gotta do? Damn, dude, I gotta do it." I just don't know how you're capturing any energy at that point. No, yeah, and then dude. and then I would. It is that's insane. Impre- no, that's impressive if you can yeah. if you can nail it on the ninety eighth take. Really like, and incredible. so I, but the, the trouble with that, and it's is this is why it's dangerous because the trouble with that is I like I would. I do the 98th take and then that's the demo. And then I was like, man, I'm so excited to just get some good sleep, have good breakfast, go to the studio and then just have this fresh take with like actual energy. And there's this one song, I think it was uh, Dixie Lane actually, cause that one was, I recorded demo vocals for that one um, at like, you know, 6 a.m. I'd been up all night doing a bunch of takes. And, uh, <laughs> and so we went to the studio and I was like, I did this like, super awake take and then we played it for our, our manager charlie and he was like yeah, i kind of like the demo vocals they're like a little sleepier and i was like well, what do you want me to, like what do you guys want me to do do you want 250 tracks because i can give that to you yeah. until you're almost dead on the floor just yeah. singing the last take and so i did so i just like stayed up all night again and then just did it and he's like yeah it sounds better i was like you guys are gonna kill me <laughs> rob did you play on the the rolodex record um yeah i did yeah we we probably recorded the drums like 11 different times for every song it's fun <laughs> uh we not that's an exaggeration but but i yeah we're making everybody do 97 <laughs> yeah, takes before this it's like, like no, no one. it's the 98th one it's everybody's yeah. gonna do it this is the formula yeah, i had to this is what fucking works man <laughs> when we showed to the studio i was like you guys didn't sleep either right <laughs> everybody has the same sleepy energy right? <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah i played on that and we recorded the drums a bunch of times and just trying to get the right sounds and we eventually landed on some that we liked but um but it was great it's always for me as a drummer it's like a really fun challenge to to try to like you know pull off the requests of Scott and Mac because their ideas are so like interesting and kind of like not necessarily intuitive but very creative and uh and that pushes me and I love that is there often already drum ideas in the demos that you guys are sending to Rob? Apple loops, baby. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I just recreate the Apple loops. Man. Yeah. That's all you're here for. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, I actually work for Apple. I'm not even part of the band. I just work for Apple. I just do, I just play only their patented drum loops for bands. <laughs> Since you are usually just hearing something that is a drum loop, is it pretty easy for you to like identify like where you can slip yourself into the tracks right away? Yeah, I mean, I'm used to just kind of writing parts too in different bands, and and sometimes I have to write my own parts in the Frenchies too. But if I can't get it the first time, it definitely comes with time of just playing the song over and over again. And if we hit the road and go play the song a bunch, by the time we get back, I have like a whole new idea, a whole new like way or sense of how the drums should be played on a specific song. right before lockdown right is that was it or or did it happen amidst it's december uh yeah i think i guess guess i was like towards the end of the the first year of it so is this kind of the first opportunities to play this music live 
And does that kind of like breathe some new life into the song since they are a couple years old at this point? Yeah, we've we haven't had too many opportunities uh since we yeah, I guess uh to be playing it, but um it it was actually it's not I maybe not to like take the romance out of it, but it's not like new life as in like it takes on a whole different form cuz we kind of like trying to cuz we had never really played them too much beforehand and yeah. so it's just fun to like actually dial it in and we don't want to sound exactly exactly but like it is fun to cuz i i had no idea if at what level we would succeed and like what it would sound like maybe it would sound like a different song i don't know when they were just demos and right. recordings and stuff like that i don't know but i just i i'm just so happy with where it's at now and so that to me i is I guess that could be new life. It's just like, uh, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. Me. I guess I just know, you know, sometimes it's hard to have these songs that maybe you wrote like two to four years ago and, oh, yes. and Some older. still like be excited about it. So I guess I was just like more curious if it is exciting cause you never really had the opportunities to play these tunes live so much in, in front of people. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I've, I've, I have like, you know, referencing the 98th take thing but i've listened to them just like they're they're forever in my brain like this and so uh like something as simple as like uh mackenzie could just do like during rehearsal just go like woo just like out of nowhere with his guitar <laughs> like one stupid thing i was just like that was genius that blew me away <laughs> i was because like, any change i love it yeah <laughs> And does that uh, that meticulous kind of nature that you have for you know doing all the takes also kind of bleed into sequencing a record and also just like maybe speak to the amount of time that is in between the records, like the full lengths? Oh yeah, yeah. This I think that took like five years to do the Rolodex songs, and everyone was very polite about it <laughs> but uh and the band but at a certain point you know it started becoming like scott we gotta like record this like just get it down <laughs> and so i was like yeah you're right so, yeah so is that you being like patient to put like the closest thing to like a perfect recording in your eyes out or is it uh just like you sometimes getting in your own way or getting in your own head about like the the recorded material and if it's actually like done and ready for people to hear it yeah well because yeah i think like anyone else i fall in love with just like seriously just the smallest moments in songs i think everyone has that but uh but i just hang on to that i take that too seriously i guess and so i'm just like man i want this moment to be a moment i want this moment to be a moment and yeah. so it's, and so yeah that takes forever <laughs> so no, I, do I, that. I think the the payoff is there for sure because i think you know listening to the record it's uh i feel like every track can be the single and kind of like standalone and i think there are moments in every song that i kind of like look forward to or moments that that stand out and just like the second movements of things or like second verses of things can feel like it has like just slight changes to make it feel different and, and fresh. So right. those things all like, I feel like come across in the recordings for well, sure. Awesome. So. Well, that makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> I can go to bed now. Yeah. 98 takes pays off yeah, sometimes. Hey, to have a nap. I'm gonna take a nap actually. Yeah. Uh, is it, uh, does that ever lead to like any frustration for you, Mackenzie? Like, kind of like knowing how scott is about like doing all the takes and just like you know taking so much time with things or is it or is there also something that you like appreciate about that and you just kind of like know how each other operates at this point yeah no i think some sometimes i can like ask for the process to be sped up maybe <laughs> no politely yeah <laughs> I, polite, disagree. I disagree yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but no yeah but I think it definitely pays off like the amount of attention to detail that Scott puts into all the, especially like the vocal melodies and the harmonies, which, are, which have really cool counterpoints in them that I would never think of that, that how they kind of weave in and out of the, the songs. Yeah. And are you 
like kind of writing your ideas with his voice in mind or does that even come into play with your ideas or do you kind of like know like oh this is definitely you know this riff definitely will work for french cassettes or you know is it easy to identify those things um yeah i mean anything i show scott i know that he will make it better some like i might have like a vocal idea that sounds like a, a, a super terrible like eagles b-side and then i would just won't even show scott and he'll like write something way better yeah yeah so i didn't i honestly it took me i thought mackenzie just like didn't want to sing when we first started when we were like in high school i thought he just didn't want to sing he was in the choir and so, yeah, but I, I thought, choir. I what do you mean you didn't I want to hold down the I bass? Was, Come on, <laughs> you were holding down the bass. You're in the choir. So hard. Yeah, and I was like, I always thought it was funny that you had that microphone set up at practice. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, <laughs> nobody ever turned it on. I was for like, me. it was yeah. a funny joke the first time, man. Yeah, <laughs> no, um, yeah, no. I thought, you, I thought that you just wanted to be a guitarist and you didn't really want to. And I also just didn't, didn't want to like make someone else sing. I don't know. I was being weird about it, and so I didn't think wanted to sing. But one time I was at his house and his parents garage when we were recording and you went somewhere i don't know where you went but you left and then i just started rummaging through the like gar- garage band files and then i just found a recording you made and it is like the, it was sounded awesome but it was like it was the cover of i want to know have you ever seen i was like he sings are you kidding <laughs> i mean like i know you did choir but like i didn't know you like wanted Sang. to like play and sing so i was like i'm an idiot and so you came back and i and i didn't have the heart to tell you that i found it because i would nice. then i would then you so know yeah, that i went yeah how'd you hack my computer yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it didn't yeah, reading didn't that i was wearing the man. hacker glasses no i've just been yeah <laughs> no i just uh, thought you wanted to sing uh, this one yeah. <laughs> i have an idea yeah. yeah and Mackenzie, are you like ever writing vocal melody or lyric ideas when you are bringing like an initial idea with you like as far as to accompany the music and uh, yeah, trying I, to communicate I, that I to mainly Scott? just leave that for Scott yeah and are the lyrics uh open up for like collaboration at all Scott or is that something that you like to do on your own or will you kind of bounce ideas off of the rest of the band to kind of get some insight maybe I, if you're struggling on oh yeah something I've in done particular that a, a number of times I love when people help me with lyrics i i like writing like the first pass of lyrics anytime i'm like sitting with a notebook like trying to work at lyrics i am not having fun to be honest and so if you're but, doing it without the music and just kind of sitting there like, yeah because then you're just trying to improve on an idea that doesn't even exist so that you're just gonna go crazy but like the first you know stream consciousness take uh, is usually my favorite lyrics of of mine and they're not like great lyrics but they're my favorite of, and then after that i'm just like i wish someone would just finish this <laughs> but that's always kind of like what you want to build on it's like whatever those initial usually ideas were and piece goes. things together i dig your your lyric approach i feel like there's there's often these these clever moments that you can work into the things and uh or into things rather and unfermented is like one of my favorite tracks in in that regard and you have that line about your brother's inheritance and in the making sense yeah. line like i thought that that was like one of those moments on the record that kind of sticks out to me lyrically and even had maybe a bigger impact when i got to see that song live the other night at the olympic oh nice yeah, yeah. i love that jam yeah nothing about nothing like singing about buying a 32 ounce <laughs> but, no, uh, no but the, yeah that was cool and that that's like one of my favorite that's one of my favorite tunes because that was like the one that Mackenzie sent me he like sent me that like guitar riff and the drums and everything and I like that makes sense that you that sticks out to you because like I viewed your previous question like it made me feel like singing like I don't usually do and it made me want to do that and so yeah so that I also got excited when I was like, oh wow, I, I like that one. I like that lyric. I died faking my brother's appearance and living off holy inheritance. I stopped making sense to point to five dollars ago out the door. You said I found so So 
Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. It's summertime and they've got their 45th Parloma on the menu, their play on the Paloma, as well as their staple food item, the rosemary garlic fries, which are easily my favorite thing on the starters menu. That fry sauce, I don't know what it is, but it's banging. And in addition to the cocktails and the food, they've got one of the best patios in the city, tons of big screens outside to enjoy the sun and all your favorite sports. And the best part is they've also got free live music. You can catch DJs there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., residencies from local artists including spinach vanport sicko side and wwjp as well as djs and beat makers every sunday from 4 p.m to 6 p.m don't miss local beat makers love jones and free tillman every second sunday and dj slim guinea every fourth sunday at north 45 pub now let's get back to the episode is that all also like relieve a lot of pressure for you or maybe even both of you that there is more than one of you kind of bringing the bones of songs into play so that not either of you has all of the pressure to bring the ideas oh yeah i don't feel pressure to bring all the ideas at all i've i trust that i between the two of us that that won't run dry for sure and rob were you uh like once you got in the band, knowing that these two dudes already had like so much chemistry together, was it pretty comfortable for you to like come in and start speaking your ideas about things and not just kind of playing the parts and whatnot? Um, I mean, yeah, I've always felt pretty included because we've been friends for a long time before I got in the band, you know, so it, it was always cool and they're always happy to hear uh, any ideas that I might have. So that's nice. Well, when when Rob joined the band, I got super, we both got so so excited because Rob is a really skilled uh songwriter. Whoa. As, as far as yeah, as far as like structure I'll and take it. how Rob, when changes crazy. should be and Who knew? <laughs> this is crazy. This is crazy to me. This is news to me. No, but I was excited. I was like, Oh, we so we won't just be a drummer, it'll be someone to like write songs with and so I was super excited about that and it's proven to be insanely helpful for sure yeah do you play some other instruments too rob so like can you offer like an idea on the guitar or on the bass every once in a while i feel sometimes like i do yeah i just just not that i could ever play it as well as someone else could but i kind of hear it sometimes and I go what if you went like this boo boo dee boo dee boo and you know if they understand it then it might be a workable idea um I was gonna say though, but with with Scott and Mac uh, doing so much of the writing, it's it's like it's almost a problem that we have too many songs and demos. And like for our next record, I know we're gonna have to be like really selective about. I can make more. <laughs> what, was, what was the problem? Yeah, exactly. Too many. Exactly. Too many. Like, songs? more? I'll make more. I wrote one right now. <laughs> I can make more. <laughs> All together now. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make it difficult though when you're like making a new record when you have I don't know just like a crazy amount of ideas and trying to figure out which ones are actually going to make the cut or is it always like a pretty clear thing like now these songs belong together? Uh, yeah, I don't. I feel those kind of walls. I don't easily put up. I don't really or borders. I guess from song to song i just i think if you wrote it around the same time it's probably cohesive in some way even if it's not in your face cohesive and was there was there a producer that worked on rolodex with y'all or no that... self-produce yeah the band just did it is that kind of a thing like where you feel like just kind of like rob was saying like between the two of you or everybody involved that there's just already enough outside perspective on on each song because you know different people are writing it and there's enough ears in the room to to give you the perspective you need to like serve the song in its best way i mean we do our best obviously but i wouldn't say that like we do something no one else could help with or something i i've i love the recordings and i love the producing that we do but of course we would 
if someone was like, hey, I want to get on this track with you guys. I mean, yeah, that, I think that would probably be helpful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you feel like with the, like the newer music that you're making that there is like some sort of significant shift in what you guys are doing? Or do you think like the new music just has a, a newer, like a fresher sound just because y'all are just like absorbing different things and always listening to new music that's going to maybe creep into what you're writing? I mean, just writing wise, I feel like it's a new direction because I feel like the things you guys bring to the table are all, you're always pushing, you know what I mean? But, uh, but as far as production goes, it's kind of like it's just we get in the studio and we we just lay stuff down, and that's just kind of the way that goes. Yeah, and uh, I also saw that like, are you all based out of the Bay Area right now? Rob's in L.A. Okay. Yeah. So does that like being in different cities, especially maybe during like pandemic time and whatnot? Is, do you feel like that forces like a different creativity? at all like when you're trying to put songs together or demo them out when you can't necessarily be in the same room working things out together from my perspective it's like yeah i wish i wish we were in the same room more often but on the you know the good part of that is that when we make plans and get together that it's just you know it's a day at the park it's so fun and we're just really excited and so uh i think there's something to say about that too so is there uh is there a lot of music always like constantly being passed around between all of you as far as what you're listening to and do you find that there's like a lot of crossover or is everybody into like pretty different stuff from one another i i just still listen to the same bands i listened to in like 2001 but <laughs> the but you guys are always listening to rob and mackenzie are always listening to new stuff and showing me things and and stuff so that's that's my go-to i don't really i don't do the research <laughs> you let them do that for yeah you? i just sit in the back seat and i go i like that one can i shazam that one <laughs> how do you feel like that it like impacts your songwriting scott like kind of you know relying on or like having your go-to's of these bands or music that you already like and and not doing as much like new discovering um, I mean, it's great to have like a solid rule of uh, don't sound exactly like the strokes. So that's cool. <laughs> so I can always rely on that. So as long as I just try and dodge that, then then uh, yeah, that's a great tool. And is it uh, for as long as you guys have been making music together, is it is it hard for you all, like if you're not playing music, to not be talking about music or ideas that you guys are working on? Oh, I'm sorry. Is it uh, like when you're not playing, like actually playing music together, is it hard for you guys to not like be talking about the music or just like t thinking about ideas together? I guess we don't. <laughs> we don't. What's that, Rob? Why are you frowning, buddy? <laughs> they don't talk about the music, Rob? <laughs> they don't talk about it with you? No, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, if you guys are talking about the music, we have stuff to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I know if there are different me. answers there that'd be trouble yeah, exactly <laughs> no no we didn't say anything <laughs> and as far as like the shells of the songs like initial demo ideas is it pretty easy for like the two of you to like recognize what's worth exploring right away and developing or is there songs that you've been like hammering away for like three years or demos that you know are quite a bit older that kind of like find themselves into the fold where you're like oh I, I finally like hear what was like special about this idea that I took the time to record um I think I'm answering this right the there are there's a bunch of old ones that I like I think we're putting out music uh soon that's like 10 years old that we just never that was just sitting there and um uh, like from the demo stage I mean but uh yeah, I think we just kind of work on everything right away. No one really says no. Like McKen I think Mackenzie, I can tell sometimes when he's like not really into it, and so I'll, I'll pull the plug, because that <laughs> I just talking. It's like ah, let's do something else. But no, it's all. I think everything right away has a certain charm to it. Not to just pat ourselves on the back, but like I think 
every sort of idea that at least makes it to the studio is usually like, okay, yeah, let's get do this the whole way. Yeah, and also everybody, I would imagine you guys have been creating long enough together where it is comfortable to be like, I'm not really feeling this. I don't think that this has like any legs to it or like this probably shouldn't be on the record. <laughs> well, I mean, these guys know that it would just crush me ruin my day he's a sensitive boy <laughs> i'm so incredibly yeah that's only half a joke actually it would ruin my day so i think you guys know that and so they'll just be like okay let's sure let's do it and so i was like but um and then obviously i can tell yeah <laughs> is it also important though that they give you oh their yeah. honest feedback uh yeah it is insanely important yeah yeah, I don't. I don't know what happened to that file, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we lost it. Man. Yeah, I yeah, come yeah. back and you're it's wearing gone. the hacker Wait, glasses. Wait, what song? I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, no, that, I don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> that never existed. I don't think. Right on. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate the the music quite a bit and the songwriting and like I said, the live show the other night was uh, super tight. And oh, thank you, Andrew. You're killing it. To uh, just be stepping in, I would. I you know wouldn't have known that uh, you were just not naturally a bass player or anything so you know keep uh keep doing that keep thank keep you very much you're faking it well thank you i will, I will continue continue <laughs> onward and upward <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah is i want to play the episode out with uh, the most recent single which is uh that's good for a jam oh yeah all right as, as far as new music you know thinking about that song is uh do you feel like there was anything like fresh to the approach that hadn't been taken before with like recording this song or any of the the newer songs that felt different than uh, what you all did with Rolodex? Um, no, I mean the past big hunk of my life has been just like working on Rolodex and good for it was supposed to be on Rolodex. Okay. So that was like part of that batch of tunes. Kind yeah. Of. So it was kind of like in the same boat, but then for some reason it just wasn't feeling like we should put it on. Cool. Well, I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear all the new tunes. It sounds like you got, you got quite a bit to, uh, to sort through. And, yeah. And put out some records. Too much. Yeah. Too much. Too much. <laughs> too much music. Well, I, uh, I appreciate y'all giving me some of your time and getting to hang out and learn where the tunes come from a bit. It was, uh, yeah, it was really cool to, to see the live show after getting super familiar with the, the record and listening to it quite a bit. Thanks, Dan. That. Yeah. Cool, man. Dan, yeah. it's a, been a pleasure talking to you. Likewise, we end every episode of the podcast with the guests saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. So okay. if we could get the French cassettes, it's a program. We can, uh, we can properly end this thing. Okay. You can deliver it however you like. We can do 98 if you want. I hope you guys got time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you close the blinds? <laughs> I really need the vibe. I, yeah. need, I need the it's room set up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. I mean, you did it. Oh, did I do it? I mean, you can do it again. I think we should have more than one take. It feels like it would only uh, be fitting. See. It's a program. Maybe we can get one with harmonies. Yeah, it's a program. Mm. One, two, three. It's, it's a, a program. program. French cassettes, everybody, here from uh, Tree Fort. I'm going to put all the links for these dudes in the episode notes so you can keep up with their music. And uh, we're playing it out with that Good For It jam, which is available on all the streaming services. There might be some uh, some vinyl copies left of Rolodex, yeah? Yes. Those uh, maybe you can find those at a, a tender loving empire, perhaps. Yes. Uh, in uh, my hometown of, of Portland, Oregon. Oh, nice. So, uh, and uh, yeah, that's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side, Boise Tree Fort, Portland Bay Area, wherever you are listening from. I thought you said you.
Hey, just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to Distro Kid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.